0: This is an ABC News special. COVID-19, what you need to know. From ABC News headquarters, here is correspondent Aaron Katursky. Countless Americans are now holed up at home. Economic activity is severely limited. The Supreme Court is postponing oral arguments. The SAT has been canceled. These disruptions to public life in the United States are part of what the World Health Organization called a rapid escalation in social distancing measures, part of the global effort to outwit novel coronavirus. We know you have a lot of questions. Dr. Todd Ellerin, chief of infectious diseases at South Shore Health outside Boston's here to answer them as posed by my colleague, Amy Robach. The first
1: one we have is how does a pandemic virus die out and how will we know when it is coming to an end? An important question.
2: Okay, so Amy, a, a pandemic basically, first of all, it's here because it's highly contagious. And we don't have immunity to it. So it can spread around the world. Okay, when it dies out is when enough of us become immune to it. And then hopefully as the weather changes and we start getting some warmer and drier weather, the hope is that the virus won't survive that as well. Now, that's still an if we don't know that for sure. So we're also remember there's there's surveillance going on. So we're watching the numbers increase we won't know that we've peaked until the numbers start declining, and then we'll know that we're on the right track. Now, hopefully, there won't be a second wave of this. Right. But um, hope, you know, the hope is over the next six or eight weeks, we'll start to see improvement.
1: All right. Well, we can all certainly hope that. And Dr. Ellerin, here's our next question. Is it advisable to shower as soon as you get home from outside activities?
2: Again, I think the most important thing is good hand washing. That's most important. Obviously, we want to shower and keep clean. But our hands are the things that if, we t- if it's infected, we forget to wash our hands. We touch our eye, our nose, our mouth. That's how we become infected. So I want to emphasize hand washing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've heard people come in, lice all their shoes, put their clothes straight in the washing machine and then jump in the shower. Is that, is that too much?
2: I mean, I don't want to say it's too much. I think you have to individualize that, but I don't want to make a broad recommendation that we all have to do that. I think our hands are a major portal of infection to ourselves, so that's the key. Soap and water or alcohol-based gels, they both work.
1: All right, next question. Is it dangerous to open up the mail that's been delivered to your house or your apartment?
2: Okay, so... I think there's a question of how long this virus lives on surfaces. What I'm going to say is that it's not entirely clear but I want to emphasize, I think the majority of transmission is, occur- is occurring through close contact. Three to six feet, someone coughing on you, sharing drinks with someone who's infected, shaking hands, which we shouldn't be doing right now. That type of close contact is key. I think, you know, I, I, I don't think that we have to sanitize our mail before we open it. But I think importantly, after we open our mail... We want to clean our hands. Again, back to the handwashing.
1: All right. No, I mean, that's what it's all about. This is a question I think a lot of people have because so many of us have older relatives. This one comes from a woman who says, I'm 78 with health conditions. Is it unseemly to request family and friends do not visit until this crisis passes?
2: You know, I think that that is very, I think that makes sense. I really do. Because remember, this virus overall is mild. We are very hypersensitized to it right now when we're focusing on the most critical cases. But for the most part, it is mild. But the elderly and people with weakened immune systems, those are the ones that this virus is going to be most severe in. So I think that person is I think that makes sense.
1: All right. And um, this is a question from somebody, you know, say we all kind of are wondering if it happens to us. So they ask if you test positive for covid-19, what are the best treatments while you are quarantined at home?
2: Okay so if you test positive again most people have very mild illness don't need any specific treatment just like it were the flu you can you know you want to hydrate if you have fevers you could take something like Tylenol and 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 basically but specific antivirals that are experimental right now we're really only using for hospitalized patients with more severe illness.
1: And Dr. Ellerin, speaking of hospitals, I want to ask you this because there's a lot of confusion. If you're feeling unwell, if you have a fever, should you go to the hospital? Should you go to your doctor's office? Because obviously you now potentially are impacting people in the waiting room and healthcare workers on the front lines.
2: So this is a key question, Amy. And what's really important is that You want to make a call first, okay? If you feel like you have moderate symptoms, you want to call your primary care provider. If you have mild symptoms, you just want to stay home and do the things we talked about before. If you have more moderate illness and you're concerned, you want to call your primary care provider. Let them know that you want to be seen and hear from them. They may tell you to put on a mask before you go to see them in in their clinics. Now, for patients with severe illness, respiratory distress you know, confusion, you can't get out of bed, you're so weak. Of course, then you have to think about the emergency department. Again, if you could have a family member call first to say you're coming in so they can prepare you before you go, that's key. Once we're prepared, we know how to handle you.
0: Dr. Todd Ellerin taking your coronavirus questions with my colleague Amy Robach. The World Health Organization said there has been a rapid escalation in the number of cases. More cases and more deaths, in fact, in the rest of the world now than in China. And in this country, there are more than 3,800 cases, at least 71 deaths. Containing the virus, of course, would have been the best option. But absent that, the experts say social distancing is now the next best thing. More places where the public gathers are shutting down. That includes O'Lunny's Irish Restaurant and Bar in Midtown Manhattan, where Maureen Lunny is the manager. She's with us now. Maureen, what's the plan?
3: Well, we, we got word last night around 6 o'clock that we had to close by 9 a.m. Uh, we're a typical restaurant and bar, so we don't have uh, enough takeout um, service to to warrant staying open. I think that's quite typical a lot of a lot of restaurant and bars. Um, so it's, it's quite limiting what will be available, um, and so now now we got another word from Cuomo that we need to shut at eight p.m. today. So um, there's a lot to do to shut down a business. So we're um, we're working on it now.
0: And tomorrow St. Patrick's Day.
3: Yes, this is um, unbelievable. Um, St. Patrick's Day is actually for us a week long, so we've missed out. On a fantastic weekend, um, there's so many events in and around St. Patrick's Parade. Really, the whole month of March is a celebration of uh, Irish culture. Mm. So uh, there's a lot of loss economically as well as soci- socially and culturally this this month.
0: What are you going to do about your employees?
3: Uh, we They see that we're trying. We, we were trying to stay open, and here, here's my conflict of... You know, are are we putting people in danger by being open? Um, so we spoke with the staff first. Anyone who's uncomfortable with working or feels scared about working, that please take off, no problem, and we'll see you on the other side of this. Um, you know, that you definitely feel like, what is real? What is the real threat? We were told by the government to work at 50% capacity, and then other people are told to stay home. Um I think that was a conflict, conflicting message there. Um, I'm glad they made this decision. Um, It was difficult to operate um, with the loss of the theaters, um, loss of the parade. um, Everyone working from home, our our customers are just simply not around.
0: Yeah, the domino effect has has been incredible. It affects
3: Uh, everyone, yes.
0: Uh, Maureen, how long can you hang on?
3: Well, we were going to give it a go. Um but then, you know, again, you feel conflicted like what what is the danger? Am I am I working here and uh, am I endangering myself as well? Um so, you know, you, I I really needed the government to say what this is, what we should do. Um it's it's you know, it wasn't fair to say to everyone else stay home and then let teachers and restaurant employees go to work. Um so, I'm, I'm glad they made a decision to close the schools. Everything seems a bit last minute, though. People do need time to prepare for these closures. So, the next thing, of course, is um, so we close. Now, what about rent? Um, Tents are obviously hit hard by this closure and the staff of tenants. So, what happens? I, I'd like to see the government um, create a dialogue with landlords to uh, generate some kind of rent relief. Uh, for the for the same time period that we are forced to be closed.
0: Yeah, hoping that the the government comes up with, with something in that regard. Maureen, we wish you a lot of luck. Thanks so much for your time today.
3: As we're saying, we will march again. So hang and, in there, New York.
0: Amen. Maureen Lunny, the manager at Olani's Irish Restaurant and Bar in Midtown Manhattan. Just one restaurant and bar forced to shut down in the coronavirus crisis in this country. It is... A painful but elected leaders say necessary step in the name of social distancing. So I want to turn to Dr. Uh, Chloe Nunley, a resident physician at Boston Children's Hospital, and she's with our medical unit here at ABC News. Uh, uh, Dr. Nunley, why is this social distancing and, and closing down bars and restaurants? Why is that necessary?
4: Yeah. Um, thanks for having me. I just, um, I it's painful hearing the stories of how many people this is affecting, um, and I, I really do feel for the small business owners specifically, um, and obviously all of the social gatherings that would normally be taking place at this time. But I, I do really think that it is necessary, um, given how fast this is spreading and how many people can be either asymptomatic carriers or, you know, very mild symptoms and carry and spread the virus. Um, so it is super important uh, that we're, we're taking these measures. But even though they seem that drastic, um, I think will make a big impact.
0: Because that's just it, the casual contact or being right up next to someone in a bar, that's exactly what we want to avoid.
4: Exactly. Um, You know, restaurants in particular, if you think about um, how people sit and where they sit and how long they're there, it's really sort of the exact scenario that we want to avoid. So multiple strangers really close to one another, they're touching items, they're putting food in their mouth, they may even be sharing food, Um, they might be getting up from their table and moving around another table in a closed space. Going to the bathroom, sharing uh, spaces there too. Um, So if you think about it, it's kind of like being on a subway or, you know, a crowded airplane, which people are obviously trying to avoid, um, except maybe even worse because, you know, you're there for longer than you are on a subway. Lots of time for people to be coughing, sneezing, touching different surfaces. Um, And then obviously you also have to think about how many different people are touching the things that end up on your table. So the chefs, the servers, different patrons, lots of hands on your plate before it ends up uh, reaching you.
0: For how long are we collectively going to have to be doing this?
4: You know, I, I wish I had a crystal ball and could could say for sure. Um, right now, it seems like a lot of cities are saying um, anywhere between weeks and months. Um, so I think right now, it's it's hard to know. I think the next week or two is going to be really telling in terms of now that people are really taking social distancing seriously, it seems, um, hopefully we're going to start seeing the needle move a little.
0: Uh, Dr. Nolan, let me call on your expertise in pediatrics. Um, we have tens of millions of kids at home, including my second grade daughter. What's best practices for them? Can they go to the playground? Can they interact with other small groups of kids?
4: Yeah, great question. Um, You know, the data that we have in kids is really limited, but so far it also seems like fortunately they are um, either having no symptoms or really mild symptoms. Um, There have been babies as young as days old to um, kids in their teens that have been documented as having uh, this new coronavirus. Um, But, again, so far it seems like all cases have been mild that said, they're still um, capable of contracting and spreading this virus. So I think that the same measures should be taken. You know, if, if you have a play group, um, I would recommend not participating in that play group. I think that I've seen some really great ideas where people are using technology to engage with other kids, um, you know, I, I saw a video recently of um, little babies sitting around their computers, all having their own uh, music playgroup in front of screens. Um, but you know, I think it, you should be able to go outside if you have a backyard. It, it'd be a great time to use that backyard, especially as the weather is warming up. Um, but you know, if you're going to a, a playground, that's going to be a surface, uh, a lot of surfaces that different kids can tr- touch, and each of those kids have parents and sometimes grandparents that they're going home to, and um, they're, they're putting those people at risk. Uh,
0: Dr. Nunley, thanks so much for joining us. Dr. Chloe Nunley is a resident physician at Boston Children's Hospital, a pediatrician, and a member of our medical unit here at ABC News. I want to turn next to ABC's Karen Travers, who uh, works at the White House normally, but she's working from home like so many are in this country now. Three kids, Karen, how they doing? (laughs)
5: So far, so good. It's been a couple of hours. You might hear the Lion King soundtrack coming through my microphone if they start to put the volume up upstairs. But, uh, you know, we're lucky. We have some help come in. Our babysitter lives very close by and uh, is is hanging out with the kids. But I I was on a conference call earlier, Aaron, and did a walk around our neighborhood here in D.C. And people are out taking walks. They're walking their dogs. Their kids are, you know, playing in yards, just like the doctor there just said, uh, but certainly keeping their big space between them. No groups of of kids were playing together in the two parks nearby. Uh, D.C. is a ghost town, from what our friends and colleagues are telling us uh, downtown. People are really listening to these warnings to stay home, work from home, and really try and uh, self-isolate as much as possible.
0: All right, down to the business of where you normally work at the White House. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the word coming out of there? We know that we may see the president a little later on.
5: It potentially. Uh, he has no public events on his schedule. There is a briefing at 3.30 at the White House uh, with the task force. We've been seeing these regularly. The president's popped up at some of them, but not all. Uh, there have been big changes at the White House, too, with how business as usual is going forward. Reporters uh, and staff coming in are now getting temperature checks before being allowed into the property. There are now going to be spacing issues in the White House briefing room, which anybody that's watched this on television, it's a, a very small, tight space. Everybody's on top of each other. Now there will be uh, less people in there. They're really trying to limit this. We'll see if the president does come into the briefing room this afternoon. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't just to continue with this pattern of of keeping him away. This was the first day that we know of that the president was not meeting in person with stakeholders from different industries uh, who are dealing with the response to COVID-19. Instead, everything he's doing today was video teleconference.
0: Karen, stay with us for a minute. Uh, ABC's Karen Travers, our White House correspondent. We're joined now by Governor Ned Lamont from Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, Governor, it's great to have you with us. I know that you took a series of measures with your regional partners in New York and New Jersey uh, to close things down. How painful a step was that for you?
6: Uh, Painful, necessary, and maybe overdue, but we're a small state, so it doesn't make any sense for us to close a restaurant and a bar if, uh, you know, New York keeps theirs open, and uh, Andrew Cuomo felt the same way. So um, we did this uh, together with New Jersey and New York. I'm talking to uh, Rhode Island and Massachusetts. If the federal government won't take the lead on these issues, the governors will work in as a region.
0: I know you'd prefer to do this at a national level, right, to have a national policy of, of what should be closed and for how long?
6: Oh, that that's absolutely right. I mean, right now we're sort of patching it together as best we can, but you don't have want to have one town or city doing their own thing, just like increasingly you don't want one state doing their own thing. Uh, a contagion can come from anywhere and it knows no borders. So it's really important. So I was so proud of uh, you know, Cuomo and Murphy to step up and um, able to do this together as a trio.
0: You know, Governor, everyone's asking how long are are these measures going to have to, to be in place? I, I know you don't have a specific answer, but are you getting any sense of, of of how long these measures may have to be around?
6: I think if you look at um, China and Asia, where their social distancing um, initiatives made a real difference, uh, compare that to Italy. And uh, there was, um, you know, something like nine, 12 weeks. But I, I want to caution people. Um, if everybody goes back to normal, um, you can have a second wave and a second contagion. So we'll have to be careful even after that.
0: Uh, this is going to come an extraordinary cost.
6: It's uh, coming at an extraordinary human cost. I don't think we uh, really are prepared. I'm going to go meet with all of our hospitals in the next uh, 10 minutes. Enormous uh, economic costs, um, you know, gyms. Um, movie theaters, not to mention restaurants and bars. We're urging everybody, uh, take out. Call your favorite restaurant and take out. Get a gift certificate so you keep these guys going, and we're going to be providing our government support as well for each and every one of them.
0: Governor, one more, if I could. Uh, We're speaking with Governor Ned Lamont uh, of Connecticut. I heard you mention today that your hospitals are facing a deficiency in personal protection equipment. How dire a shortage, and what can you do about it?
6: Uh, I think um, compared to what could happen in terms of folks um, in critical care over the next uh, few weeks, uh, the shortage could be um, dramatic. What we're we doing, we're going to the national stockpile. We're getting um, hopefully uh, new equipment from them. Uh, we need ventilators as well as masks as well as PPE. So, uh, but there's a there's a nationwide search for this right now. And what I'm doing with the hospitals in a few minutes is seeing exactly what the supply is they've got, where we might be able to find extra supply, and where we have equipment so we're ready to go.
0: Governor, thanks for joining us. Do appreciate it.
6: Thanks, everybody.
0: Governor Ed Lamont of Connecticut, uh, he and his regional partners in New York and New Jersey took a series of measures to coordinate what's going to be closed Uh, For the foreseeable future, restaurants and bars, movie theaters, uh, schools uh, in most, if not all, of those states are shut down now. ABC's Karen Travers uh, with us, who covers the White House. These governors have been asking for a federal, nationwide limitation on what should be open and what shouldn't. Uh, Are they going to get it from the White House?
5: There's no indication that that would be coming from the White House. It's something that we've been asking about now for a week, as city and state officials started to make more restrictions. Obviously, up there in New York, you guys were seeing this last week, and here in D.C., it started at the end of last week. Uh, But the president has indicated in several different briefings that he thinks that people should be listening to state and local officials. He's certainly made a distinction between what would be happening in one state and that officials there are going to react accordingly, and maybe that doesn't work somewhere else. I I do think you might start to see an increase in calls for that. So people, like the governor was saying, aren't confused as to why people can do something somewhere, but not somewhere else. Uh, And, you know, we'll see if the president has any announcements on that later today. But I think they've been hesitant to do that, uh, as we've seen in countries like France and Spain and Italy, where this is coming from the executive leadership and being applied nationwide.
0: ABC's Karen Travers, who covers the White House for us. Uh, the White House, of course, is watching the stock market. Trading had to be halted just seconds after the opening bell. So I want to turn to Caleb Silver at Investopedia. The sell-off continued after that halt was lifted. Doesn't appear that investors are at all encouraged by any of the steps taken so far.
7: Absolutely not. And the key is those steps were taken for the recovery part of this, which is we can't even see at this point. But The Fed injecting $700 billion in buying up government bonds and mortgage-backed securities, lowering interest rates to between zero and a quarter percent. All of these measures are to restart the economy once we get through this. The question is, how deep and how long will this go on for? Will this be a recession, or is it looking more like a depression that could last several months and take markets down with it?
0: At the White House, we heard from the president's top economic advisor, he doesn't want to put a label on what's happening with the economy. Would it be useful for the White House to do that?
7: I don't think so. And no matter what the White House has said over the past two weeks, markets continue to be under pressure because investors are facing a mountain of uncertainty. And that uncertainty is how deep will the economic impact go? You heard from your your restaurant manager here in New York City, the governor of Connecticut, all talking about shutting businesses. These businesses rely on every single day of revenue to pay rent, to pay their employees. So magnify that across the country. In every big city, in every small town, with small businesses, and we have a major economic problem. But the measures taken were there to help the recovery once we get through this and the number of new cases starts to level off.
0: Caleb Silver, our good friend from Investopedia. On a day when there is another sell-off on Wall Street, trading had been halted right at the start of the trading day when the S&P 500 was down 8%, the Dow down nearly 10%, and only recovered slightly from that as millions of workers, students, and worshippers are ordered to stay home amid the coronavirus outbreak. Now 3,700-plus cases in the United States and at least 71 deaths. I'm Aaron Katursky. You've been listening to an ABC News special. ABC News. Honored. Winner of four Edward R. Murrow Awards. ABC News. America's number one news choice.
5: Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer.